0: and welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast. I am your host, Leonard Robinson. This podcast is a project of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta Laudato Si Initiative. On this podcast, we will go on a journey to explore the role of the Catholic Church and other faiths' impact in sustainability. Experts, theologians, and thought leaders will share their opinions and perspectives as guests on the podcast. Sustainability focuses on meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. The concept of sustainability is composed of three pillars, social, environmental, and economic, also known as people, planet, and prosperity. This podcast is made possible with the generous funding and support from the Archbishop's Annual Appeal, Georgia Interfaith Power & Light, Rutherford L, Jamie Lanier, the Valdemar Family Foundation, the sustainable environmental management company St. Francis services and the time treasure and talent from several individuals the faith and sustainability podcast is coming to you from the Archdiocese of Atlanta Chancery in Smyrna Georgia we're blessed to have Jay Bassett on this episode of the faith and sustainability podcast Jay is one of the members of the Laudato sea initiative team The Laudato Sea Initiative is the sustainability roadmap for the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Welcome to the Faith and Sustainability Podcast, Jay.
1: Hey Leonard, glad to be here. Um, As you know, this has been a long-term investment for me, so I'm glad (laughs) to be here to be part of the conversation.
0: You know, Jay has served the public over 35 years as a retired military officer with the Navy and a civil servant leader with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. He served 15 years as a charter member of EPA's leadership cadre in transforming EPA Land and Waste Management Program's Road Ahead Principles through promoting efforts to manage materials and products on a life cycle basis, building capacity and integrating material management approaches, and accelerating the broad ongoing public dialogue on sustainable materials management as both EPA's regional program manager and as national advisor and expert. He recently retired from US EPA as a senior advisor, developing and implementing a comprehensive strategy to maximize the agency's commitment to work with our partners to achieve meaningful outcomes on priority issues in disproportionately underserved and vulnerable communities. In addition to the aforementioned, Jay was one of the collaborators on both the Laudato C Action Plan and the revised Laudato C Action Plan. He championed the purchase wisely and recycle section. Tell me, Jay, are you busier in retirement than you were when you were working for EPA? Yeah, you know, kind of
1: the way I look at this, Leonard, this is just a continuation of that work. So, you know, I know that it's a lot of, you know, government book book, if you want to call it that, that's in the description. So, you know, let me make it a little bit simpler. You know, I worked on, you know, how do we improve how recycling systems perform, not just the things that you take out to the curb, but also, how do we as communities find better ways to be able to repurpose, reuse, repair um, materials and products mm-hmm. um, differently and and uh, in a way that um, is more sustainable but makes some uh, economic sense as well? And then the second part of that was um, really was – intrigued at the back end of my career of, um, as we look at not just materials, but how do we live better in our communities and better serve each other? And so it was a really natural alignment with the um, Laudato Sea Action Plan of... How do we, as um, people of faith and of interest in how we work within our communities, you know, work and live better together, right? And but and, and we can do that through the lens of sustainability um, as we look at, as we know, the, the challenges we have both in how we live together but also around climate and other things that people care about. So, um, so what I do now in retirement is just to um, – as a um, as I call it faith through service is find ways to continue to serve, and one of those ways I serve is through the uh, Atlanta Archdiocese and really champion and supporting both in my parish as well as um, at the archdiocese level the uh, Laado Sea initiative because I think, as we know, the Pope as a scientist and as a moral religious leader bringing those things together just makes
0: sense to me. We well, you know, you were on both the original uh, Lodato Sea Action Plan and the revised one. And again, I saw you champion the section, Purchase Wisely and Recycle section of the Action Plan. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, kind of my thought on that. And, you know, in the introduction, you mentioned sustainable materials management, right? So, um There's things folks may not realize. I mean, we're having this ongoing conversation around, you know, carbon in the environment, air pollution and other things about how we live, you know, the effects of heat, heat island effects and other things that the materials and goods we produce represent a large fraction of those impacts, right? So there was a study done by EPA in, uh, I think it was 1996, that 40% of all greenhouse gas emissions is attributable to the production of goods and services. So as we think about And the things we have within the Laudato Sea Action Plan, which is really around climate action as well, that materials represent a big piece of that. And how we manage materials is part of how we do those things. And, you know, when we first talked about this and, you know, it's always everyone talks about says, well, you know, recycling is a good thing, which it is. But recycling is just one part of doing that. So we initially started with, well, let's figure out how we can recycle better as a way of getting people to think about you know, the things they buy and what happens to them when you're done with them as a way of really driving into a much broader conversation around really thinking about the purchases we make that we embedded in the second version of the purchase wisely and recycle into a much broader conversation about um, thinking about purchases we make. Can we repair or reuse these things? And other things we do before we go to recycling. And then if we recycle let's make sure we do it right so that those materials can actually be reprocessed into new materials and so it's kind of a touch point where people are people think of sustainability they think of recycling how can we use recycling to go and understand um, a little bit deeper and meet people where they are and then lead them into a deeper thought process
0: okay you know for our listeners who haven't read the action plan you know shame on them give specific examples what parishioners Parishes and schools can do. Just just a couple of examples.
1: Yeah, so I think there's a couple things that really kind of stick out. You know, one is um, you know, when we look at the things we throw out, right? One of the things that has, you know, what I call large environmental impacts is food. So, you know, the U.S., if if folks aren't aware of it, you know, we typically throw out about 40 percent of all food that gets produced. And so, you know, part of what we ought to be thinking about as we're doing this, what, one in nine children go hungry, right? So, you know, part of this is how do we think about food and as we throw out food? So part of the things that we're trying to do, right, Leonard, is when we did things like with um, IHM on the picnics of doing kind of audits is getting people to think about things like, well – If you're going to take something to eat it, make sure you eat it, take what you're going to do to eat so that we're not throwing it out because that's edible food to provide sustenance for other folks. Right. So it was a way of embedding thinking about, you know, materials through food and those impacts in a way that we can meet people where they are at, say, parish picnics or other events where we serve food that people have to come. You know, when they come grab it, give them a little bit of that. When they come back, we'll sort it and weigh it and measure it so we know how we're performing about how much food do we throw out. And then can we then use that food to be able to produce soil and soil amendments which we all know if we look at uh, climate that soils are carbon sequesters and also grow more food so how do we then for the food we don't eat or is quote inedible do we make sure it gets back into soils so those are some of the things as we look at is in the in the action plan and things we think about are things that we can do at the parish is really think about the food we produce. Where do we buy it from? How much are we producing? How do we minimize to make sure all the food we serve gets eaten and that that doesn't get eaten that we find another place for it to go? What was really interesting in one of those, it actually kind of even spurred it a little bit further. Within IHM, over time, we kept replicating this process. People learn. So The last time they did the pig roast, all of a sudden we had people from different cultures that say, you know what, I can use the skin on that pig to do some things that we do culturally that I'll take home with me to do that. And other pieces that the year before we would throw out as food waste that would be composted, but now they're going back to be used as, quote, edible food, though— Me and you may not think of it as being edible, but we have cultures that do. Mm -hmm. And we were able to, you know, engage in that kind of
0: conversation to where that really happened. And see, that just screams out diversity. That's why diversity is so important. People look at diversity and equality and equity as the same thing, and it's not. But, yeah, you you just hit a home run for diversity different cultures. You know, everybody's seeing that but ha- has a different use for it, and it basically becomes zero waste. So, you know, that's a very, very good point. We know earlier you touched upon it. What is the current state in the future of recycling? Where is this, where's this recycling going?
1: You know, one of the things, you know, that I tried to do and was being very conscious about in the um, version two of the um, Ledo Sea Action Plan was to have a shift in conversation. So it wasn't about recycling; it was really around zero waste and thinking about a much broader perspective, of which recycling is just one piece of this. So the idea that you know I'm advocating is that recycling and recycling right. Is certainly important, but we need to do more than that. That that isn't. We're not going to be able to recycle our way out of our material problems, right? And the impacts of these materials. We need to be thinking about. And what I embedded in there was um, a process. Uh, that was developed by the U.S. Green Building Council, what they call TRUE, which basically means it's a zero-waste certification for businesses. And what's interesting here in Atlanta as we talk about that, the um, Atlanta Mercedes-Benz Stadium is TRUE certified. So they practice those zero-waste principles at the stadium and what we wanted to do was translate that into what you can do at home at the church aligned with that. So if you go to the Atlanta stadium for an event, right, you're looking at they're really conscious about the materials they buy, how they can be composted and waste, how they reuse that into soil amendments, how they're reusing you know, even water in a much broader conversation. So we try to put that you know, within and give some examples within the action plan of how to do that. Regarding recycling itself, you know, if we look at it from a historical perspective, that recycling systems really depend on um, us as individuals and our, you know, consumer behaviors, right, to do the right thing. And then we have local governments that really provide the collection services. So, you know, most people here will recognize that, um, you know, at least um, within the bigger cities that you're being asked once a week, to, you know, make a conscious decision about what things you throw in your trash and what things you can put in your recycling bin. But we have, over time, that local governments have been collecting these materials as part of, a you know, what we call a reverse supply chain, which is basically, how do we take these materials back to make new products? But we have, challenges in the supply chain of being able to manage those things. And over time, as we've co-mingled and you put things in that bin, people have forgotten to look to say there's only certain things that really can go in that bin that can be recovered. And so, What happens a lot of times, we have what we call wish cycling, which is if I put it in the bin, it will be recycled. (laughs) Um, But we know that only certain things can be done. So it's to be, you know, for me, as we look at the future of recycling, it's being really conscious about looking and knowing what your local program will collect and making sure those are the things that go in that recycling bin, number one. Number two, the things that don't go in that bin, we have – numbers of community-based organizations and assets that do process materials. So I'll give you an example of one. We have the Center for Hard to Recycle Materials um, in Atlanta, where they can take a lot of materials you can't put in your curbside, that they can make sure that that gets processed and put back into manufacturing. So it's, it's saying, let's just take a time and be a little bit thoughtful about what we're putting in that bin. Let's be a little bit thoughtful about, you know, do you have a local recycling center that you can take it to? And in some smaller counties, more rural counties, that's the only way to do it, which is good because I can tell you if you're putting stuff in those big places where they collect bottles and cans and glass that I can, I'm can i almost assured it's going to go back to um, be made into a new product, not dumped out in the sea like some people think. <laughs> but I think the future is really around um, helping our local governments be more productive in recycling performance. And then as us looking around about where we can else take materials that do have good end-of-life use, and try to take the time to do that. I personally go once a month to my recycling drop-off center. I collect glass separately and plastic bags and other things and make the trip down to then, you know, sort and make sure it goes back. And the things that go in my cart are the things that I know my program collects, which is, you know, bottles, you know, plastic bottles, things with a jug with a, um, you know, a a bottle with a neck on it, um, cans, aluminum and metal cans and paper, um, which we know can be easily recycled. So um, I think the recycling industry is strong. Um, I just think we have to help do our part. And then I think The future in technology is coming where we're going to be able to manage more and more materials as they come in.
0: You know, earlier you mentioned the term zero waste. Give our listeners a a working definition because I suspect a lot of people use that word zero waste more as a punchline. Give our listeners a definition or uh, some kind of knowledge on it.
1: So um, zero waste... You know, there is, and you can look it up under the Zero Waste um, Alliance. They have a formal definition for it. Um, What I'm going to tell you what I think is the more pragmatic way to look at it. Um, For me, it's, you know, being, as we say, thoughtful about the things you buy. So if you're buying a bunch of fruits and vegetables that you never eat at the end of the week and you have to throw them out, right, that is a way that we can look at and say, well, let's make sure the things we buy we actually consume and use um, versus um, keeping things that we end up throwing out, right? So that would be an example of a zero-waste practice. So you're thinking about what you buy um, and making sure that those things that consume are what you buy. If you're buying something, you know, think about is it made with recycled content? Because then you're supporting the system of demand for those materials by, you know, asking for and being conscious as a consumer about, you know, buying things that are made with recycled content, for example, right? That's a zero waste principle. Number one. So it's about reduction and being thoughtful about it. Number two is as we're thinking about products and things we use, can we repair or reuse them? So, you know, we all think about things like, oh, we're gonna go down to Goodwill or maybe St. Vincent de Paul and those, you know, those products then go back out can be reused within other other uses or other folks. And, you know, we can all do that and there's again, myriads of entities out there, you know, Lifecycle Building Center for Reuse of Building Materials, the Furniture Depot, Goodwill, St. Vincent de Paul of ways that we can reuse those things. And then we should think about repair. Can we repair and reuse? Electronics is a good example of that. Electronics can be repaired for the most part when we're done with them and reused for folks that can get access to electronic equipment that wouldn't otherwise have them. So we should be thinking about that. And then at the last end is what do we recycle of making sure that the things that we end up not reducing, we can't reuse or repair, that we maximize Um, by how we purchase things that can truly be put in our recycling system, either at drop-off, which I mentioned, like the centers that manage this material, or through your curbside, which is your publicly um, run solid waste pickup service. The last thing I would tell you on food in your house, if you do have excess food, you could do a backyard composting system. If you're in the city of Atlanta, you can reach out and reach out to a service called like Compost Now that they can collect those residuals and make into soils. So to me, it's about really being conscious and reducing it to the extent you can. I don't define zero waste as you produce no waste. It's
0: just being really smart about it. Okay, here's a two-part question for you. What does sustainability mean to you? And how does your faith affect your perspective and your actions on sustainability?
1: Yeah, so for me, the sustainability journey, um, just to be where it started for me, um, was with actually with the military, not with EPA. Um, this was around 1990, and I was asked to be part of what they call the Quadrennial Defense Review. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going back to 1990. and. When we were looking at what they call regional threats, where we need to think about militarily to be prepared for, the two things that really stuck out in the planning for that was um, resource scarcity as a reason of driving conflict. And and I'll give you an example of that. Pakistan and India over water, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you think they have nuclear weapons pointed at each other, right? (laughs) And number two was around climate migration. So for me, as we go forward, it was really thinking about that how we live within our own communities and within our churches, all the way up to globally on national politics, global, you know, regional defense theory, that these things are all inherently connected. The second piece of this was, you know, what I call, you know, and the reason I stayed with EPA was the idea of faith through service. That's really the calling, the Catholic calling, right, for me, is that, you know, if we're not as as a Catholic And as a a practitioner, looking at how we can better serve others and do so in a very thoughtful way that we're improving how we live better together, then, you know, that was my calling, right? And so all the way through my time at EPA and even when I came to work on the Ladado Sea, it was really this idea around sustainability being at the end, um, how do we work better within the communities we live Toward the work I did, you know, on as the, quote, recycling guru or expert, if you want to call it that, all that time, even though I was working for EPA and policymaking, I was also belonged to local environmental groups in my community interested around materials and recycling. Why? Because how in the world can you design and think about policy if it's not built on how we live in communities with each other? So that's the other part when I think about sustainability, that we need to be thinking. It's not just about that bottle you recycle. It's just not about the um, the different things we do in the action plan. It's how do we use that t- to live better within our own communities and serve each other right to me that's what sustainability is about because if if each one of us isn't able to live better and live more comfortably and help fix these divides we have that we all benefit from you know that's going to be you know where we fail on all these things that's what sustainability is really about beyond the technical <laughs> stuff that we talk about around life cycle analysis and all that which we got to have but it really is about people and each one of us has the opportunity to make that impact every day and and when we look at it from a you know policy perspective and where we're going each one of those little impacts is really important because it's cumulative impact and it really makes a difference and we know that even in the work we're doing in the action plan when we look at things like you know draw down georgia on carbon reduction strategies that It's predicated on individual things that individuals do every day that's going to drive this idea of we're going to be able to meet these carbon goals, right?
0: Yes, which, you know, very good answer because it seems like you've reconciled your faith, and the tech, you know, the technical part. You've kind of reconciled it where it's just one, one smooth uh, understanding of it. So thank you for that. Here's something. What are the challenges and opportunities for the Catholic Church and other faith-based organizations in sustainability?
1: Yeah. So I think there's um, two ways I would look at this. Um, one, which you know, we know as we look at the um, Laudato Sea action plan here, right, that we're busy activating, which is how do we improve the performance? Um, from an environmental perspective on church campus, and that's really important because number one is, we're gonna you know we're gonna look at ways to reduce energy footprints, um, and the and the cost of energy right, which means that there's more money in the plate to go toward ministry work, which is important right, and mm-hmm. the that's sustainability right. view, as well as you know ways that we can live to what Pope Francis has called us to do as demonstrations um, for parishioners on how they can engage, and then for us to think about how do we take that back home with us in our homes, but not just in the homes, but within the communities we serve. One of the things I was working with at um, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency before I retired was this idea that if we're really as we look at all this federal program and we start talking about this massive amount of money coming through, say, the Inflation Reduction Act, that um, faith-based leaders and organizations have a key role to be able to do this transformation that's being pushed out, you know, for for climate on this new economy around um, the green economy by the things we do not only within the parish, but how do we work with other faith-based organizations other or community-based organizations within our communities as leaders in this space and be able to link with them to help them access some of the resources and funding to be able to do transformations that go beyond just what we do at the church itself and really be leaders in that within our community. So all of us have organizations we work with in our communities. We can take any of these principles to those organizations that we link together with our faith calling and within our you know within the churches to be able to activate within the organizations we all serve and if we can start linking that together that's how we do systemic change
0: you know you've covered a lot of good points but is there a specific call to action for our listeners you know you've got over a million Catholics in northern Georgia. You've got a hundred parishes. You've got uh, several school, you know, Catholic schools and everything. What's the call to action for them?
1: So I think the call to action is, um, you know, a couple things. One, individually, I mean, that we have. Um, I don't know, must be hundreds of things within the action plan. And the idea of the action plan is it's defined um, so that you can pick and choose a menu of things to do. So I'm not here to tell you that you ought to be zero waste. What I am here to tell you is find those things that make sense to you and activate on that. Number two is we all live, work, and play within the communities we are. Take it to the organizations you're already with. And, you know, carry those things forward at the Laudato Sea Action Plan to those organizations, to your neighbors and other things as a way of showing, um, you know, things that you have passion about. Take that passion and take it to others. And then the second piece is within the ministries that you serve within the church, and it could be varied. It doesn't have to be creation care. Um, but, you know, pick and choose a few of those things you can take back into your ministries and the practices that you do, um, you know, within your faith journey as well.
0: Well, you heard it, especially the first part. Love it. Read the action plan. Get the action plan. Read the action plan. All right. How can our listeners get a hold of you as if you don't have enough to do and somebody has more for you? How how can people get a hold of you?
1: Well, um, 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 I do stay relatively busy. I'm, I belong to a number of organizations throughout the Southeast, some nationally, some um, nationally, Um, The easiest way to get hold of me is um, Leonard through you and Brian Savoy. I am Savoy. I am um, part of the archdiocese um, team, at least uh, from an advisory perspective. I'm also a parishioner at St. John Newman. Um, If anyone says, you know, I really want to have a conversation around either materials about, you know, looking at recycling programs or better ways they can do different practices. Um, I'd be happy to talk to anyone, come down and have a conversation with you. I also participate and support uh, Georgia Interfaith, Power & Light, and we all know they provide resources and tools for creation care at churches. Um, I'm happy to come, you know, and help do that. I did that with, you know, IHM down off Prior Cliff Road with, you know, Nikki, as you know, is to say, hey, I need help on this. Can you help us? Can you help me do this? And I'm always willing to say, I, I never have a lack of ideas, so I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, the ones you might want to choose to do or not is really up to you, but uh, if you do, I can help you. Think about how to activate that um, and happy to do that
0: well jay i appreciate your work on both action plans i appreciate your work as a lodato c initiative uh team member i appreciate you coming on this podcast you know uh to talk about faith and sustainability i think you really again you reconciled it to make it understanding for our listeners thank you jay thank you Leonard. you've been listening to the archdiocese of atlanta faith and sustainability podcast from the chancery at the Archdiocese in beautiful Smyrna, Georgia. On behalf of those that make this podcast possible, I am your host, Leonard Robinson. Meet me next week on the corner of Faith and Sustainability. May the Lord be with you.
1: The preceding podcast is a production of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Atlanta. Copyright 2023.